Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, I am so excited to be here with you today. I'm Rebecca Kohler, and I am the children's director here at Victory Family Church. But before we get started, I want to see where are all my elementary students in the room. Wave at me. Give me an air high five. All right. Nice. Okay, and we give a shout out to our campuses, Newcastle. I want to see you guys. Again, air high five right through that screen. Nice. All right, I love it. And Meadville Vernon, again, I am so excited that you're here. Air high five right through that screen. Big screen. Nice. I love it. All right. Well, those of you who are, you know, here and those of you on in the campuses, I want you to participate in some questions that I have. So if you're a student here, how many of you have already started school? Okay, couple. How many of you don't have to go to school until after the Labor Day holiday? Oh, sweet. We are all so jealous of you. (laughs) But going back to school has a lot of fun things that come with it. And one of those things is going to see your classmates again. Going to see that fun lunch lady that gives you extra portions because you have favor with her. Nice. And that amazing teacher that just speaks into your life. But with school as well, there are some things that you have to face, like that annoying kid in your class, that mean bus driver, and that teacher that seems like they never have a good day. It can be a challenge sometimes, but as Christians, we are called to be the light of the world. And I'm going to read from Matthew 5, 14 through 16, and it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, that's an easy task when you have friends and people are nice to you, but not everybody's like that. You have to be the light of the world, even if they're not so nice or mean, or they seem like they never have a good day. And that kind of reminds me of this lighter. So this lighter represents you. You are supposed to be the light of the world, right? And we have our impossible task, which is to light up the world, so that's going to be represented by our ice here. So how many of you think, yes, it is a-okay, we can light up ice, catch it on fire, it's going to be a-okay? No? I mean, seriously, like, that Bible verse says I need to be the light of the world, right? And maybe, okay, so I'm going to believe God's word, and I need to light this ice. So that might be like that, you know, mean bus driver. I mean, seriously, they probably told the kids on the bus how many times to, thank you, to sit down and you are like, oh, I'm going to say a nice word. And they're like, nah, I'm I'm still mean. Okay. So nope, no go there. All right. Maybe that annoying kid that you've been assigned to do a group project with, you're like, I'm not going to get annoyed with him. I'm going to be super nice. And let's try that. Nope, nothing happening. Okay, so 
We are given this impossible task, but each time, it, nothing happens. That's because in all those scenarios, I was trying to do it on my own strength. And there was a lot of eyes that I said, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to say an encouraging word, but we have to have God first in our life in order to do the impossible task. And that could be putting God first in reading our Bible every day. It could be praying to God and a little bit more than, please let me pass this test. And then lastly, those faith-filled confessions every day, just like we saw in that video. When we put God first, and we have our impossible task, and then we have us. So let's see what happens when we put God first. Now that's a light. <laughs> when we put God first in our life, we can be the light of the world. And I challenge you during this school year to read your Bible, pray to God, and say those confessions every day so that you can make the impact and follow through with that verse and be a light of the world. Thank you. All right, all of our campuses, can we give it up for Miss Rebecca? Love her She's so awesome. much. And we again, we want to welcome our Meadville campus, our Newcastle campus. My name is Kelly Selleck, and this is Mariah Bagden. And, you know, Mariah, I got to say, I'm a little bit jealous that you guys get to light things on fire. We always and have fun. things up in student ministries. <laughs> I feel like Pastor John needs some new sermon illustrations. What yeah. do you guys think? I feel like we need to light some things on fire over here. No, but we're so, again, so glad that you guys are here today. You know, as a parent myself, I've got a middle school student. I have an elementary student. And my kids have had the amazing privilege to grow up in this church and to hear the word of God and to know what it looks like to live for Jesus because of the example of all of you and what yeah. it looks like to follow him and to serve him. And it's the greatest joy of my life that I get to see my kids walking with Jesus and to know his name and to know his goodness. And I wanna tell you, if your kids are in our Victory Kids, Victory Students, we're not just babysitting. Yeah. They are confessing God's word over their lives. They're teaching them what, what, who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him. And so we've got two resources for you today. And I've gotta say, the Saturday um, night service and the 9 a.m., mm -hmm. they almost wiped us out of these. Newcastle, Meadville, I don't know, you guys may still have some of these left, but they're confession magnets. One of them, this white one, is just a general confession that any of you can pick up. We encourage you students, grab this, put it on yeah. your fridge and your locker. Um, so pick one of these up on your way out today. Um, if we don't have enough, we're going to get more of them, at least yes. for our Cranberry campus. Like I said, Newcastle, <laughs> Meadville, you guys may have, may have them, but we're going to get more. And then this black one is a parent confession magnet. So it's scriptural confessions that you can confess over your students. So make sure you pick yeah. these up. And students, guys, just like Kelly said, put this on somewhere where you're going to see it every single day, like your locker, where it's going to remind you who God says that you are and what yes. God says that you have. Amen, Amen church. Come on. Well, in just a moment, we're going to have our lovely student ministry pastors, Pastors Ben and Alyssa Archer. I love them so dearly. But before we do, we actually have a testimony video from two of our Sozo students in high school. And they really are just talking about how God has impacted their life tremendously. And not just theirs, but even their families. Check this out. Hi everybody, my name is Macy Gamble. My name is Zion Bunny. 
I grew up in a Catholic household. Uh, we attended a Catholic church in Old City, and that was all I knew in my entire life. I used to go to maybe a here and there Sunday morning with my grandma every couple years to church. So when a friend had invited me to Victory for the first time, it was a little over the edge for me. Um, I was a little nervous. I didn't really know anybody who attended this church, and I didn't really know what the church services were gonna be like. I was like, I know there's a God. I, I know that he's saved people's life because I've hear, heard and heard testimonies of people getting saved, but I honestly never thought God would do anything for me. I never thought he could until I came in here and the preacher and Echo gave a message about, um, about anxiety. My whole life was kind of just consumed about this burden of anxiety that was on me everywhere I went. And I never thought I would ever be able to get healed from it until I heard her testimony and how Jesus saved her life. And it wasn't her story that changed me, but it was how Jesus saved her. And I realized that if he saved her, then he could save me. And that's exactly what he did. That morning in Echo, I was saved. And um, I remember that I had a peace and a comfort that I've never experienced with anything else. When I had left that church building after attending Sozo for the very first time, I'll never, ever, ever, for as long as I live, I'll never forget that feeling. I was on fire for Jesus. I, I wanted more. I was so hungry for his love and his passion. I started coming to main service a lot more. I started coming to Sozo almost every week. I wanted to go tell people about what God has did in my life, what he has did in my heart, and how he has truly changed my life and how he could change theirs. I've brought six of my family members to attend Victory for the very first time. And among those, my father attended um, a main service and he gave his life to Christ right there. He, was, he got saved. I feel like that was just an awesome moment that I got to experience with him. I've been able to lead some of my friends and some of my family to Jesus. Um, and some of them serve now at Echo. Some of them serve um, in other places in the church and some of them even got water baptized. And I started a high school campus experience at Butler, which if you don't know what that is, it's just an outreach club to build relationships and spread the love of God. I also help co-lead the Elwood Sozo High School Campus Experience. Uh, we reach out in our high schools and uh, we just reach people in our schools about the love of Jesus. It's so awesome to be a part of and I don't really know what I would do without this place. So I gotta thank the volunteers, the leaders, the staff, all the people who have made a huge impact on my life. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Love you. Welcome, family. How are we feeling today? It's incredible, incredible. Hey, I'm Pastor Ben, and this is my wonderful wife Hello. and better half, Alyssa. We get the honor and the privilege to serve Pastor John and Miss Michelle, and it's the greatest honor of our life. And, and in addition to that, we get to serve you and your kids. And can we just give it up real quick for Macy and Zion? Aren't they incredible? It's awesome. Yeah, and you guys, that was an amazing testimony video, wasn't it? Yes, you guys, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and we just want you guys to know, because we get to see it every single week, that these two are a representation of what's happening in Sozo and Echo and in the next generation, mm -hmm. um, because they are so on fire and wanting an authentic interaction and encounter with Jesus. And because they're having that encounter with him, they are going on fire for him. And everywhere that they go, they are just telling people about Jesus because they're having that encounter with him. And so I know that 
Things seem dark right now, but I want to encourage you that this next generation is very bright. They yeah. are going after the things of God fearlessly. And so they were made for such a time as this. And so it's not a time to fear, but just to be encouraged of what's coming in the um, future generations. That's right. I, you know, uh, earlier this year, I was in prayer over our next gen. And so because we specifically oversee middle school, high school, and young adults. Um, real quick, guys in the room. Uh, I, we just need, we need to make, and all of our campuses, we got to show a little bit of love. Sheesh. Okay, okay, we had to get that out of our system. Uh, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, you're probably like, what is that? They can explain, and what they'll do is they'll actually tell you that that's dead. Uh, and I know that, friends, um, but your parents don't. So, you know, you're welcome. Um, but, you know, while I was in prayer uh, over this now generation that is leading now, uh, God put something in my heart, and you know, where so many people see a problem, God spoke to me and he said, it's my greatest opportunity. Mm -hmm. And um, come on, isn't that incredible? And it's so true, and, and you guys, like Alyssa said, represent so many. It's just, it's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. it is. And since you guys have had that encounter with Jesus, how has your lives been different? Um, my whole life is kind of different. I think the biggest change that was in my heart was who I'm living for now versus who I was living for then. When I had so much anxiety, I was really focused on what people thought about me. I cared about their opinions. I would change how I acted around certain people to please what they wanted, to please what they would think of me. Um, but when I started coming here, when I had that encounter with Jesus, I realized that that is just going to lead you to a really, really, really dark place. That that's really not going to lead you anywhere, but following and pleasing the one that created you is what's going to change your life, change other people's eternities. And I would say that's the biggest difference is not pleasing other people, but pleasing the one that created me. That's, that's awesome. good. It's awesome. Macy, you said something in the video that I wanted to kind of pull more out of you. And, um, and you, you processed with us about how you struggled with, an anxiety, with anxiety. And I think for so many people in our culture, in our world, um, and, and even at our campuses right now, that there are people sitting here, students and adults alike, that are navigating anxiety. How would you encourage us? Um, if I can encourage anybody here that's struggling with anxiety, first I want to tell you that you're not alone. I feel like a lot you can feel like that when you have anxiety, but you're not alone. Jesus is with you, and I'm telling you a lot of other people here are probably facing the same thing. But um, I would say that stop letting that anxiety control your life. Um, that's kind of harder to say than it is to do. But when you let that feeling control your life, thinking that that's the truth, that you're anxiety, you're not anxiety, that's a feeling, and that feeling is not the truth. That may be the truth that the feeling is trying to make you feel like, but the truth is so much different than your truth. And I just want to encourage you guys to stop letting that feeling control and guide your life and start letting the one that created you, the truth, guide you, not your truth. Amen. Yeah, amen. That was good. That was good. Well, we're done. We might as well. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> that was so good. And Zion, we know that you've had a big life change, um, so much so that your family has been impacted. And we all know that it can be very difficult to invite our families to church. And so how were you able to get over that fear of inviting your family? Yeah, so um, I'll always remember the first time I ever attended Sozo, I had such a great feeling of immense joy. Um, I'll never forget that feeling for as long as I live. 
um, of that, that happiness and that joy. And it was so critically important to me that my family felt that same joy that I felt when I left that building. Um, I really want them to be happy. I really want the best for them. And I really want them to feel that happiness that I felt because it, no feeling on this earth can match that. Amen. Amen. And, Amen. and like you said, you led your dad to the Lord. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yep. It's incredible. You know what I love about both of your stories and, and so many students is, uh, you know, you didn't just, you're not just ministering to your families because you've had a moment with grace, right? Um, and, and you've been a river and, and you've poured out, but you went into the schools and you brought up something inside the video. You talked about high school campus experiences. And so I wanted to just kind of uh, explain that a little bit because maybe we don't have the clarity that you do. And so a high school campus experience is really an outreach club at our schools. And right now we have six of them that are up and running. And you know what's incredible? That's awesome. Yeah, we can, we can clap. And what's incredible is th uh, this past spring, we saw 60 people come to Jesus at school. It's incredible. Incredible. God has used both of you in that, and, um, and right now, we're on track to have 15 by December. That's awesome. That's awesome. How have you guys seen ministering at school impact your lives? Will you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, so um, I think it's really cool to be able to lead a, a club like this because um, you're seeing, like, for a non-believer, people are seeing their peers be leaders within their school. And I think it's so critical for us in our high schools to lead something like this so kids can get an idea of what of the outreach that Jesus has for them, the, the love and the passion that um, he has for them. And I think it's so awesome to be a leader and to be in the middle of a miracle going on within our own local high schools. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I remember the first time we had a high school campus, my first um, launch of Butler High School, I remember there was three people that showed up, and I was a little disappointed. I was like, I did all this work, and there's three people. Um, I knew two of them were already saved, but the other one wasn't. I remember Mariah was there. She gave her testimony, and I was able to fill in a little bit of my testimony, and I remember that that one girl got saved, and I remember that that next week we had 19 people show up and we had seven salvations. I think the only reason truly that that happened was because they went and shared what happened, how Jesus impacted their life. Because like, I don't know if you know this, but our generation, it's a little sad right now. And they're searching for something that is so much more than themselves. They're trying to go search it through a lot of other things of this world that's never, ever going to fulfill them. And high school campus is just an amazing way to just show them that Jesus is the thing that will fulfill them, the thing that will always fulfill them. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's good. That's good. I love that you guys... I mean, you're young, but you're still going after the things of God and you're being an example and you're telling people about Jesus. Um, so what would you say to students and parents alike um, to encourage them to walk out their faith practically? Um, I would encourage everybody in this room to act the same way you do here. 
I feel like a lot of people change the way they act. They walk in the church every Sunday and maybe Wednesday night, and you put on your church face, but then you go back out and live for the world. If I'd encourage you, don't just walk out the faith, but live in the faith. Walk it out with Jesus, because Jesus lives in you. That you are a light because the light lives inside of you. So go out and love those people that are so hard to love. Go and forgive those people that have hurt you so badly. Go be a light in one of the darkest places. And some of you may not be going to school. You may be graduated or but you still go to work you still have other places that you go to just go and be a light and love those people even when it can be so difficult I would say for um, if you're a parent trying to navigate something like this I would say get plugged in get your kids plugged in go to Sozo go to Echo and you know if you're not really doing anything start serving we are never more like the hands and feet of Jesus when we're serving And as for students, if you're going to a high school and there's no high school campus experience there, start one. It's so amazing to witness the miracles that are going on within our high school. It's amazing. It's awesome. Can Can we just give it up for them? They are incredible. Again, and, and they are representing so many in this now generation. It's just awesome. Well, we, we get this amazing opportunity to welcome Pastor John as he come up uh, and he's going to minister to us. And you know, Pastor John and, and Miss Michelle, you guys are spiritual moms and, and fathers to us. And, and so we love you guys so much. And it's been so awesome as we go back and we listen to podcasts all the way back from like 1993 and, you know, when the church started. And it's, it's just awesome. But one of the things that I love is that they've always had a passion for the next generation. Um, and that is their heart. And, and you know what? They've done everything and anything to reach the next generation. And in fact, you just have to see for yourself. Check out this video. John, you always say amazing things about Gen Z, but tell me what you really think. Well, bro, I bet. I bet. Seriously, bro. I bet. No cap. They might and God's besties. Facts. I am 100% for this generation. 100%. I mean it. They mean so much to me. Seriously, I'm telling you the truth. They mean everything to me, and they more importantly mean everything to God. What do you say to all the people who doubt them and say that they have given up on God? Bruh, catch these hands, okay? Old people dragging them. Old people don't get their vibe. Bruh. They tired of our tea. Gen Z just hits different. Cringe. If people want to say that to me, they better get ready for a fight. I don't know why people can't see the greatness in Gen Z and keep criticizing them. People just don't get them at all. Their uniqueness is what is going to set them apart to reach this generation for God. Gen Z is tired of us talking against them and it's embarrassing that we do this. Okay. Then what can our generation do to encourage them and to help them be all that God's called them to be? Bruh, I'm dead. Stop, cancel the bop, and get off the drip. Bruh, remember when you was drip and old people canceled your bop? You really wanted their bet, so let's glow up for them. Bruh, we didn't like the sus, and neither do they. We need to have a sense of humor and stop being so serious about things that really don't matter. Let's stop criticizing their music and the way they dress like our parents did to us. We have to speak life over them and stop tearing them down. We didn't like it when our parents were suspicious of everything we did and neither do they. 
Well, what do you think is the greatest challenge for Gen Z? Bruh, absolute truth has been canceled. They have been finessed by the fam, the CEO, and now I'm baby. If we stand, they W. They hype beast. And it's our big yikes, not theirs, bruh. Jesus took their cancel, period. Absolute truth has been taken from them. God is truth, and if absolute truth doesn't exist, then neither does God of them. The family structure has fallen apart, and those in authority are using them instead of building them up. This is on us, not them, period. Jesus died for them, so let's make every sacrifice to help Gen Z win. That really slaps, bro. That really slaps. The things you do for love, man. Come on. God has such a plan, such a plan for this generation. We are so grateful for this, this back-to-school weekend. And I, I just want to welcome all of our, our campuses. Newcastle, we love you. Meadville, we love you. Online audience, we're so glad you're with us as well. Cranberry, would you give them a great welcome? We love you guys so much. We have our students here today from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. I'm sure there's some college students that are here as well. I want you to know that this is a, a service where we want to pour into you and to those who support you so that we can truly walk with God by faith in an hour when most people are literally trapped in fear. Um, Zion and Macy, to me, when I watch the video, one, it, makes me, it just made me cry. And then when I listen to them, I just think, what an incredible these, this is an incredible generation. These two young people, I don't know if their parents are here today, uh, maybe have been in another service, but I'll tell you what, if, if you're raising those two, you could just say, okay, send me to heaven now. It's good. It's good. You've raised some amazing kids and uh, we're just remarkable. God has an incredible plan for the generation that's emerging. And yet we're living in an hour where the whole world is saturated in fear. Fear of everything and everything, afraid to breathe, afraid, I mean, just afraid. And fear is not a, a political movement or the failure of a group of leaders. Fear is a spirit, the scripture said. Fear is what emanates from the, from the literal pit of hell. It is the absolute emotion and lifestyle of bondage that Satan himself desires every human being to live within. But in fact, the scripture tells us that fear, when it governs my life, will torment me. A spirit of fear will, I don't care how smart you are, how brave you are, how whatever you think you are. If fear is becoming your leader, you will live a life of torment. Every dream of your heart will be diminished. Every purpose of God will be backed up. You will have to ask fear permission to do anything and how fear manifests is through your emotions and your feelings, none of which are invalid but they should not be your leader as a Christian. We're living in an hour, we're living in a day when feelings are everything to people. In fact, the, the truth of a generation, which is a lie from the pit of hell, is that you are how you feel. And it is pushed down your throat constantly in every imaginable way. How you feel is who you are. How you feel is legitimate. Feelings are not unimportant, but they don't define you. Your feelings are not your creator. Your feelings haven't redeemed you. Jesus did, and he has a purpose for your life, and what he says about you is truth. 
And I want to help you to live outside of a spirit of fear. Mom and dad, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whomever, those of you that love these students, and every student under the sound of my voice, whether you're in kindergarten or whether you're in college, you can live with what we're going to talk about today, a spirit of faith. Because most people understand fear because it's common to us all. But very few people know what it means to walk in a spirit of faith. Listen now, in the presence of fear. Most people think when you have a great spirit of faith about your life, that fear is absent. It's just the opposite. And I want to help you to understand that. In the Old Testament, in fact, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament points us back again and again and says, these things were written for you for an example. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, don't follow their heart of unbelief. And it does do follow their faith. And so it points you back to a circumstance and an environment that is so relevant to today. Most everybody knows who Moses is. Everybody know who Moses is? Newcastle, Moses, come on, come on. Meadville, y'all know Moses online. Everybody knows Moses. Now, God raises Moses up. The children of Israel are, are literal slaves in Egyptian bondage for generations, hundreds of years. Everyone there, that's all they've ever known. They were born a slave and they would die a slave. God sends Moses back. You know the story. They're delivered. He judges Pharaoh. And then they, they're delivered through the Red Sea. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. And they're in a desert. And now they're facing, a, 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 what does God have for us now? God speaks to Moses and he said, I'm going to take you and them to a promised land. A land that the scripture would say it this way, that flows with milk and honey. That means it's, it's awesome. He said, I'm going to take you there. He said, and then he told Moses how he would do it. He said, now, it is important that you obey my voice and that they obey my voice. And if you do, I will be an enemy to your enemy. I will be an adversary to your adversary. And I will send my angel, not angels. Can I tell you something about God's angels? He doesn't need 60. He doesn't need one. He said, for what? The whole earth. He's God. He's God. And God said to Moses, if they'll obey my voice, I'll send my angel before you. Because in the promised land where I'm sending you, there are walled cities. And it's going to look impossible to you. You're going to go there and you're going to find that it's inhabited by a, a bunch of people groups. Havites, Jebusites, Perizzites, Ammonites, Annex. All, all, all these people groups are going to be there. And they're going to be strong. They're going to have armies. They're going to have walled cities. And, but you have to do what I tell you. And if you do what I tell you, my angel will win for you. And, and remember, he's speaking to slaves. Though they were delivered from Egypt, Egypt wasn't delivered out of them. So the, God, Moses comes back, he rehearses, this is what God said is going to happen. This is what God said we, we should do. And in the 24th chapter of Exodus, they, like us, with all good intentions, said, all the words God has told us to do, we're going to do them. And I believe they had full intention to do it until they got to the promised land. And when they got to the promised land, God said, I want you to take 12 leaders among you, one from every tribe of Israel, and I want you to go spy the land out, and I want you to bring back a report of what you found there. And there were 12 that were sent. And I want you to see what they did when they came back. Now, remember, these are the same people that said, God, you told us who would be there. You told us if we would obey you. You told us you would, your angel, your literal angel. Remember, this, these people just walked through the Red Sea. So this isn't like they hadn't seen God do miracles throughout getting them delivered from Egypt. And he said, my angel will drive them out of that land. He even told them the time frame in which he would do it. 
They said everything God said we're going to do until they got to the edge of the promised land. And now they send the 12 spies out and the 12 spies come back and we see something happen that we might look upon them and go, man, that's just, I can't believe they did that. But I want you to see it's very easy for that to happen to me, happen to you, whether you're a mom, dad, a student. It, remember this, fear feels natural. It isn't this horrible, evil thing that comes and goes, it feels natural because it is derived by what you see by what you feel and the emotions that come with it. And what most people are waiting for is for that to all go away before they will do what God says to do. And and faith doesn't work that way. Faith works in the presence of fear. Let me say it one more time. Faith works in the presence of fear. Now, listen when they came back. I want you to listen to the report of the 12 spies in Numbers 13 and verse 26. Now the 12 spies departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and and to all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back words to them. Say brought back word. Remember this. You are going to define, you can find out what somebody believes by the way they speak. A spirit of faith, the Bible said, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore do we speak. And they brought back words to all the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, they they told him and they said, we went to the land that you sent us, Moses. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it, nevertheless, or but. I I know God said, but, 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 but. Fear's got a but of buts in it. Fear's full of but. Yeah, you'll get that on the way home. Okay, so, (laughs) nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. God told them that. The cities are fortified. God told them that. And they're large. God told them that. We saw the Anakins there, Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites in the mountains, Canaanites by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. There's all these people there. God's like, yeah, I told you. And they came back and said, they're really there. And they're really strong. And they really have cities. Are you out of your mind? And look what happened. In verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome it. But the men who gone up with him, the other ten, because only Joshua and Caleb had that report, said, we are not able. And they were, that was a true statement, naturally speaking. They had no physical capacity to win this battle. We're not able to go up against this people, or what are you, nuts? In today's world, see, we read, we are not able to go up against these people. These are humans. I go, what are you out of your mind? We're not able to go up against these people. Don't you see they're stronger than us? And, the, and it said in verse 32, they, that then these 10 spies gave a bad or an evil report of the land, which they spied by saying, you want to judge which spirit you're living in? Listen to how you talk. Mar- measure what thoughts you let rest in your mind, because what thoughts you let rest in your mind will end up literally transferring to to the very depths of your heart and it will come out of your mouth. And they brought up an evil report of the land and here's what they said. It's so clear. They said the land through which we have gone as spies is a land, now listen to their declaration. Remember what God said, but now listen to what they say. They are serving fear at this moment. This land devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great statue, stature. That's a lie. There were kids there too. There we saw, say out loud, we saw. 
We saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, which come from the giants. We were like grasshoppers, here you go, in our own sight. And now, and so we were in their sight. Now they project their fear onto their enemy. But if you read the Bible, you'll find that every one of those people groups were terrified of Israelites because they know that Egypt was the greatest nation on earth. And God literally obliterated Egypt and delivered them with no strength in their hand. And they were terrified of them. Terrified. 40 years later, when they finally did get to the promised land, because of this unbelief capturing them and them literally dying in the... 40 years later, the people, when they heard of them coming, were still terrified. They projected onto others what wasn't true about even themselves. Fear is a liar. Fear is a deceiver. Fear will take you places you don't want to go. Fear will keep you from places you're called to be. Fear is from the pit of hell. It is not your friend. It is not you just being realistic. It is you being owned by another kingdom. And God made you for more than that as a parent. And if you're a student, listen to me, Newcastle, Meadville, every student in this place, you were made to walk with God in the midst of the crazy and to be an overcomer in this life with his power. That's who you are. And these, these feelings, though, they don't go away. They, just, they don't go away. Unbelief is simply this. Unbelief is when you project God's absence, his presence, his power, and his goodness in your tomorrow. All the spirit of faith is is that when you project the presence of God, the faithfulness of God into your tomorrow. And I'm seeing in the, in the hour in which we live, so many of God's people getting trapped. It's so easy to have it happen. It feels very natural and normal. But most of God's people today are living in what I would consider, the Bible would call, an evil heart of unbelief that we should depart from. Unbelief is simply faith in reverse. It's, it's taking what God tells you to do and doing the exact opposite and empowering a spirit of fear to govern your tomorrows. So after this declaration in the next chapter, verse 13, the people begin to cry out and say this in verse 3, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should become victims. It's better for us to go back to Egypt. You see, they couldn't get the slavery out of their souls. They were taken out of slavery, but the slavery was still in them. Satan desires to make slaves of every human being on the earth in every imaginable way. Where do you think sex trafficking comes from? It's not a group of evil men and women. It's from the pit of hell. It's just a shadow of the evil that exists in that kingdom. It's just, it's not the full-blown evil of the pit of hell. It is just a shadow. That's how wicked, that's how evil. And I don't want that kingdom directing my life and my future. And so I have heard thousands, literally, if you take all the things that are on Facebook and everybody's declarations, and here's the essence. I don't know what's going to happen to our kids. This is just impossible. My God is just... God, to raise our kids in this, oh God, I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen to our kids. I don't know what's going to happen to our kids. Our kids are going to be destroyed and they're going to become victims and they're going to be oppressed and they're never going to make it because this is so dark. It, oh God, it's so, oh, it's so dark, it's so dark, it's so dark. And what we end up doing as God's people is instead of possessing the promise, we simply define our giants. Fear will make you define your giants. And if you feel, oh, I just need to talk more about it. No, you don't. If you were drinking poison and I said, stop, and you said, I just need to drink a little bit more, I'll feel better, that you would go, that's nuts. Fear is a poison. And people are deceived to think that if I just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and then throw a prayer at the end of it, then they go, oh, Jesus, I love you. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. No, 
A spirit of faith is in, listen, this is so important. Students, listen to me. Wherever you're at in, 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 your, in, your, in your career, in school, kindergarten, up to college, listen to me. A spirit of faith is saying what God says about you. Not in some weird religious way you get in a room. Oh, Lord, I speak thy word over my life and walk around to people and go, the Bible says. That's weird. I could be weird without God. How many of you got enough weird without Jesus? This is, yeah, if you're, a lot of wives just went, oh, sweet Jesus, I'm married to weird. It's okay. That's right. Michelle raised both hands and both feet. Pray for her. All the spirit of faith is, is that in your everyday life and everything you face and everything you feel, you choose not to bow your knee to fear and you don't let your mind rest on the lie. You don't let those lies come out of your mouth and you feel it and it's there. But Joshua and Caleb said, uh-uh, all the words God told us to, 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 to do and everything he said he'd do, he's going to do it. Let's go do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I want you to see there is a cost to unbelief. In Numbers 14, 29, God now is speaking to Moses. And he says, now say this to the people. The bodies of those of you who have complained against me. Listen to these words. Unbelief, saying what God has not said about you when you know what God said. And to proclaim the fear, listen to what God said, is speaking against him. When you speak against his promise, you speak against him. Oh, but I trust him. You can't trust someone you're speaking against. You're trusting fear. Fear is a lousy leader. And it will destroy your life. Those, they said, the bodies of those who have complained against me will die in this wilderness, all of you. There are no exceptions. All of you who were numbered, those that are 20 years old and older, except for two people, Caleb and Joshua. But the rest of you, by shall no means enter this land, which I swore that I would make you dwell. But your children, who you said would be victims, I will bring them in. And they will know the land, listen now, which you have despised. But as for you, your body shall die in the wilderness. Most people think answered prayers is that enough, enough people bother God, he'll say yes. Most people look at answered prayer at, at, and they look at the percentages. Well, if God didn't answer the prayer for two million people, it couldn't have been his will. You're wrong. God said, I promised all of you that were over 20 years old this promise, but only two of you trusted me and walked in a spirit of faith, and faith is what pleases God, and for the two of you and your families, you'll get in. The rest of you are going to die outside of the promise. And see, we think of an evil heart of unbelief of mean, wicked people, but they weren't. There were some really sweet old ladies that died, sweet old men, kind people. I mean, people give you the shirt off their back kind of people. Unbelief, you can have a smile on your face. It'll still kill you. You can go bring your neighbor soup. It will still kill you. You are called to live in a spirit of faith. That means I say what God says about me in my everyday life. I don't talk about my life in the context of honoring fear. I talk about my life in obedience to the word of God. Because God commands us to not just trust him, but to say what he says about us. In the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, I want you to notice something that God commands each and every one of us. If you are going to live in freedom in a world that is caught a blaze of hell. Because if you talk fear with your kids and if you live fear in your life and if your students, you're not going to experience the power of God. If I could be so blunt, your carcass will fall in the wilderness just like theirs did. Because God does not answer the severity of the need. He answers the cry of faith because faith pleases him because it demands that you trust and in trust you must know that he loves you. you. He must love me. That's how I trust him. Unbelief is when I trust what I see more than the one that died for me. And when you put it in that context, 
it puts a different perspective and understanding and it takes a light on the darkness of the deception that fear is a normal feeling but it's still destructive and you aren't called to live in it revelation 12 verse 10 he said and then i heard a loud voice in heaven say now say it out loud now you remember this about god he is not the god that someday did or someday will most people are fine with God in the past, God in the future. But when God gave his name to Moses, he didn't say, my name is, I was, or I will be. I'm not a great guy from the past, or I got, a, I got great potential. He said, my name is, I am. He is, I am to you right now. He is God present in your life right now. He said, I am for you right now. Now, now salvation. This is for you and me. Now, in the midst of this nutty world. Now salvation. Now strength. Now the kingdom of our God, now the power of his Christ have come. For Satan, the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That's what Jesus did. And now listen to the instruction for every one of us. And we get to choose this. And the believers overcame Satan by two things. By the blood of the lamb, that's the price Jesus paid. And then by the words of their mouth, the words of their testimony. And then he said they didn't even love their lives to death. You know what that means? They lived fearlessly. You won't live fearlessly just by saying, Lord, it's in your hands. I, that prayer's nonsense. It's we just put it in the Lord's hands. And he put it in your heart, and it better come out of your mouth. And it better govern the way you think, and it better govern the way you act. I'm just leaving it to the Lord. It's going to stay there. Because he said, you overcome in this world, the, the, the evil in this world, the fear in this world, by recognizing you've been redeemed by a Savior, and then you talk like it's true. And if I were to measure your testimony, would it be, would it be agreement with what God says in everyday vernacular and speech, or would you be agreeing with the enemy of your soul? And he said, when you agree with God, there is a supernatural boldness shows up in your heart. He said, so much so that you aren't even afraid to die. You talk about living fearlessly. In a moment, we're going to go to the campuses here in a little bit, and, and, and we're going to speak the word of God over all of our students. And then we're going to literally pray for all of our students. But before we do that, I want to make certain that every person under the sound of my voice, those here in the Cranberry campus, those in Newcastle, those in, in Meadville, those online, uh, uh, this, is, this is the most important question you will ever answer in your entire life. When you die and stand before God, what will have become of you and what will become of you? Every human being who's alive on planet Earth has tasted sin. And that sin has killed you and killed me. And there is no way now back to God of my own works and my own effort. It's great if you're a good person. It's great if you go to church. It's great if you've had sacraments of a church. But none of that gets you heaven, including this church. God doesn't measure all the good and all the bad. Nah, you're better than most. Come on in. That's not how it works. Sin demands judgment. And God is a righteous God. And he looked at the sin of the world and he judged you. And he judged me guilty. And what that meant, according to the words of Jesus, is there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And if you die in your sins and pay for it yourself, you will be separated from God forever in a place of torment. That's miserable. But then there's another option. God so loved the world that he judged the world guilty. And then he said, my mercy is greater than my judgment. And I will robe myself in human flesh born of a virgin. 
And I will, I literally will hang on a cross innocently and all of my wrath that is due the sin of the world, I will pour out on myself and I will judge sin and I will, and I will punish sin, but I will put it on myself. And the son of God hung on a cross innocently who had never tasted sin, but the sin of the world came on him in the judgment of God. And then he died. But then he rose from the dead and he conquered death and he offers to every human being the privilege of inviting Christ into their life and receiving that payment and then living for him while you live on this earth. And so when the day you die and the day I die and I stand before God, my entrance into heaven is either on the basis of what Jesus did and I've received it or I don't get in. That's why Jesus said so very narrowly, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Listen, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Why, why so narrow? Because no one paid your debt. No religious philosophy. No amount of good works. Jesus died for you. And he's alive. And all you must do to have eternal life is to acknowledge that your sin stain, you cannot pay for yourself. And to receive the living Christ into your life, he turns no one away. Come on, man, no one. And he will come and make you brand new. Your sin debt will be canceled. Gone. Talk about cancel culture. God's cancel culture is I will cancel your debt if you'll receive me. But that's up to God. Not up to God, it's up to me and you. Right now, if you've never given your life to Christ or you aren't sure, God's Holy Spirit is pulling on your heart saying, come, the Father loves you. Give your life to Christ. So wherever you're at, whether here at the Cranberry Campus at Newcastle Meadville Online, if you've never given your life to Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed, you've never received Jesus into your heart and into your life, or you're not sure and you want to know before you leave today, before this is over today, that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Pray this prayer out loud together with me in a moment. But you say, Pastor, please include me in the prayer to make Jesus the Lord of my life. At all of our campuses, if you desire to be included in that prayer, would you right now raise your hand where they can see it there and I can see it here. Just every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Lift your hand right now. Do it right now. I want to pray for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. At the campuses, God bless you. Thank you for raising your hand and giving your life to Christ today. If you raised your hand, or you should have at all of our campuses, Pray this out loud where you hear it, and we all will pray it together with you out loud at all of our campuses. And when you do, Jesus will come into your life, and he will make you brand new, and your sin debt will be canceled because he lives, and he wants to live through and in you. His love is so great. Pray this out loud where you hear it at all of our campuses, and we're going to pray it together with you. Pray it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. Now pray it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin and to take my punishment. He died for me. He was buried for me. And he rose from the dead to give me life. So I open the door of my heart. And Jesus, I receive you now. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. And when I die, I am heaven bound. Amen. Amen. Give them a hand, would you? Best decision of your life. I've asked Michelle to join me because in a moment what we're going to do 
at all of our campuses, and I'm going to turn it over to our campuses here in a moment. So we're going to literally, I wrote a confession of faith that we're going to speak over our students in our lives. And then we're going to actually pray over all of the students. And so if you would right now at all of our campuses, whether you're from kindergarten, even up into college, right where you are, would you just stand at all of the campuses? Would you give them all a great hand and tell them how much you love them, how much you believe in the next generation? Come on, give them a hand as they stand. We love you guys. You're incredible. And remain standing. If you're a student in here, you remain standing. We're going to speak this together, and then we're going to have everyone stand with you, and we're going to pray over you. But we want you to know that you matter to God, and you matter to us. So I want the, the words are going to come up behind me, and I want you to speak these out of your heart, whether you're a student or a parent, and believe the word of God. Say what God says about you. So let's say it together as we just, you read it behind me and say it with me. Our children are strong and walk in freedom because of Jesus. They live as overcomers in this world, in their schools, and are fearless. Greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. They have each been given a divine assignment from God, and he has begun this good work in them. He is faithful to complete it. They are full of the power of God and boldness. They walk by faith and not by sight. In their everyday lives, they truly are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And everything they set their hand to accomplish will prosper. Everywhere they go, they will claim that territory for Jesus and set their generation free with the power of the gospel. They will overcome evil with good and will walk in the authority of Jesus in the earth. They will be a light in darkness, the hope of the world, rescuers of their generation, and share Jesus boldly and experience the power of God to deliver their generation. They will lead and not follow. God, you will be with them in trouble for the purpose of delivering them. They will dwell in your presence and know you intimately all the days of their lives. Because they know you, they will be strong in the earth and do exploits for Jesus. They will live lives that are mighty upon this earth, fulfill the reason they have been created. This will be the greatest school year of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Students remain standing. Would you all stand together with them? And if you're here with your family, your, your parent, maybe a, a grandparent, a friend, put, lay your hands on your students as Michelle and I are about to pray with you over them. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. If you see students without somebody, just lay hands on them. We're believing God over their school year. And before we pray, I want to leave you with this last thought for 60 seconds. If you're here, just grab this from your soul. You know, Ben was talking about now we're, we're soon to be on, I think, 14 high school campuses. But I want you to know years ago, Michelle and Dana Moore and Lori Shallis got together because they had a burden in their heart to see this happen in college campuses or in high school, high school campuses. And they prayed and they prayed it out and they prayed it out years before it happened. Here's what I want you to know something about prayer. When you pray today, it isn't just some some floaty thing that makes no sense you are bringing the power of God to bear in the earth and someday time will catch up with your prayer now there's a lot of work that's good behind what they're doing but let me tell you the door that opened was supernatural well no Seneca didn't know schools would, would virtually even let you do it even though it, you have a right to do it it wasn't it, it just wasn't open I mean literal p 
people that were employed no longer got employed new people I'm telling you doors started to fly open I'm telling you that when you pray for your children you pray for your family you speak the Word of God over your, over their lives it opens doors it sends angelic presence into their life to see God do what only God can do in the next two weeks three weeks actually I'm gonna be sharing with you something that happened in a prayer meeting just about four weeks ago that I led here on a Wednesday night our Wednesday night prayer we have it every week where it literally was an angelic situation and I don't have time to go into it now but I'm telling you it's powerful make sure you open these are the things that will bring to pass the power and the will of God on the earth so lay hands on your students now let's speak life over them and let's pray together over them father in the name of Jesus we pray over our students today we pray over our parents we pray over every teacher and administrator in the schools Lord, we pray today that you would give them great wisdom and grace. And we speak life over our students. They will not live under the bondage of fear. They will not be trained to live in fear by a world that is set ablaze of the very pit of hell. But they will be the head and not the tail. They will be above only and not beneath. Everything they set their hand to, heaven will prosper. They will dwell in your presence. They will abide and know you intimately. They will say that you are my God, you are my refuge and my fort, and you I put my trust. A thousand shall fall at their side, 10,000 at their right hand, but it will not come near to them. Only with their eyes will they behold and see the reward of the wicked, and they will set their love upon you. And surely you will deliver them. You will set them on high because they have known your name. And with long life, you will satisfy them and show them your salvation. And so, Father, we speak the blessing of heaven over them. And fear has no dominion over them. We break the back of fear in the name of Jesus. And we say they will walk by faith and not by sight. And so, Father, we believe you over their lives. We trust you over their lives. And we say by faith, this will be the greatest school year of their lives. Amen. 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 Come on, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.